We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name, as always, is Rob Lauder, and I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And how is everybody doing? You know, like, I just feel like, I don't know, I'm in a good mood. The week is just cruising by, or it is for me. As a teacher, I get next week off for Thanksgiving break. You know, we get to watch a, a full week week's worth of NFL football, essentially. And then we get the 49ers on a Monday night, you know, like and there's probably some, you know, I'm sure you guys like me take some benefit from the fact that, you know, when it's a Sunday without 49ers football, you know, you kind of just get to watch the whole day's worth. Of, you know what I mean? And it, obviously, when the 49ers game is on, you just zeroed in on that. But. When it's not on, I mean, you could just do the well, you check in on your fantasy team. You could watch Red Zone, and then we get the 49ers when it's the only game on on Monday. So I don't know. I feel like just everything's coming together, and I can't tell you why, but it is what it is. The 49ers are up in Colorado right now. They should be, I believe, they were heading to Mexico today um, after practice. At the, at the very latest, should be tomorrow, which is Friday. They're up in Colorado in the elevation, preparing to, for their game in Mexico, which, as far as I know, the weather is not going to be the same. The 49ers are freezing their asses off in Colorado right now, and I don't believe it to be freezing in Mexico. I wanted to say the uh, the forecast was relatively warm, but it's more about the elevation. I will tell you a, a brief story about elevation. I was stationed, when I was in the military, I was stationed in El Paso, Texas. Which, if you were to drive from California to Texas, would be the first town you would run into. It's at the very top left corner. I should just say left. Very left corner of Texas. Because Texas has that weird like squared off part that comes up on top. It's in the far left. The very, very edge. Right on the border of 
um, Texas and New Mexico, and not too far of a drive from Arizona. And it's the first town you're going to come to. Pleasant town. I got no problems with it. The first thing you see before you even get to El Paso is the border, the Mexican border, which is kind of shocking. You know, you've got that huge fence there. And then on the other side of that fence is it almost looks like a shanty town, you know, homes built into the sides of hills. And, you know, I'm just recalling all the memories I had when I first moved there. My whole family came with me just to check the place out and help me move all my stuff. And so I get there. And when I get when I got to Texas, like I said, I was in the military. I took a lot of pride in my physical fitness. Um, at that time, I could probably run a mile in less than six minutes, two miles in less than 13 minutes, three miles in less than 20. You know, I was a I was a stallion and. Um, I get to El Paso. And I, I at this time, I would run every night like it was just part of my routine. I I'd put on my. I had one of those, man, it's still my favorite iPod to this day. Y'all have to tell me if you know what I'm talking about. It, it was, I don't even remember what it was be called, what it was called. The iPod, I want to say it was called the shuffle and it had a little, it was, it had a little clip built into it. Let me see. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing pictures of it. I think it was just called the iPod shuffle. And, but they eventually made one with like a little screen on the front of it. And so it kind of like a screen that was about the size of an Apple Watch and built into the the iPad, which was about like a, about the size of an Apple Watch too, without the band, obviously. And had a clip in the back. And dude, I just absolutely love that shit. Like you could just plug your headphones into it and clip it onto like your belt buckle, your pant belt buckle, whatever, and go. And I really think that there would still be a market for this thing. I mean, I guess Apple would know more than me. It went away. But I just loved it. I mean, I guess I could, you can't really do the same thing with your Apple Watch because one, you don't want to plug headphones in your Apple Watch. And yes, you can use AirPods. But then if you want to like go on a jog with just your Apple Watch and your headphones, but without your phone, you have to subscribe to the silly ass, like something, something amount of money per month. So that's bullshit. So, and it was just an iPod that you plugged into your computer and loaded up however many songs you wanted onto it. And, and obviously, we've all, most of us have owned something like this. But the very last generation had a little screen on it. And it was like the best shit ever. I just loved how light it was. I used to clip it onto my my shorts, the elastic band on my shorts. And then I would run the headphones up through my shirt. And it, it was just the best setup ever. I am seriously digressing. But I feel like my enthusiasm is powering us through this. Like, I feel like y'all are excited with me. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just smirking at the speaker right now, wondering what the hell I'm talking about. But anyways, I get up to El Paso, and I go out for a run. And my apartment at the time was kind of at the top of this hill. So no matter which direction you ran, you kind of had to run downhill and then back uphill. Not a huge hill, but it was definitely downhill. Slash uphill. And I'm running and I'm just like, man, what the hell is wrong with me? I am after like a mile, I'm just huffing and puffing at this time, depending on my pace, I could run like almost 10 miles, like 10, sometimes over 10 miles. If depending on how fast I was running, I could just go for days. Uh, I loved running. I just thought it was like a stress reliever and I could just go do my thing and listen to music. And I love music. So I'm running and I'm like a mile into it. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, I do not understand what's going on. I am huffing, puffing, ha- like slowing down at intersections, you know, like way below my pace. And I just have no idea what's going on. And I turn around and I head back and I'm going up the hill, still huffing and puffing, having to take 
little walks every now and then, just being a real baby back bitch. And finally, I get back to my place, and I don't know if my mom called me or I talked to the girlfriend at the time, and I just somebody said, "Well, isn't El Paso like at pretty high elevation?" And I was like, "Huh? Like why elevation? Why it's in the middle of the desert? It's like why it doesn't just doesn't even look like a place with elevation." Sure as shit, I look it up, and El Paso is like. 4,500 feet, which for those California residents that need something to equate that to, that's like being at the very top of the grapevine. You'll see a little sign when you go over the grapevine, you start to come down the other side that says, um, I can't remember the name of the peak, whatever it is, but it's about like 4,400 feet or something, 4,300 feet. And that's where all of El Paso was. So I went from almost zero feet, which is Fresno, to... 4,400 feet, and I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea elevation even affected me all the time. I, Every place I'd done military training or done anything military or physical related, I was at or around sea level, you know, whether it was Washington or Kentucky or Oregon, everything was around the same. I was, I always felt the same when I was running, but man, I got to El Paso and I was sucking when it sucks. It is a huge deal. So for the 49ers to say, hey, we're going to go to Colorado first so we can start. You do acclimate to elevation fairly quickly, and that's what the 49ers are trying to do. Now, the cool thing about being in elevation, which is why you know the Denver Broncos really do suck, because those those assholes get to practice in elevation nonstop. And when you practice or exercise constantly in uh, at elevation, like thousands of feet in the air, when you go down to sea level, you feel like fucking Superman. Like... When I would come to Fresno, when I was stationed in El Paso and I'd come to Fresno on vacations, I felt like I could run forever, like just straight up Forrest Gump, just he was running. And and I it's just it, it's always cracked me up that the Broncos just never seem like that's an advantage to them. Like you it really it when you come to regular altitude, you feel like just you feel like you're in the best shape of your life. It's cool. It's cool. To add on to that El Paso story. Another thing I didn't know about El Paso and the desert is how fast storms roll in. One day, very similar, very close to the day I just described, I went running out of my apartment and was all was running in all one direction. Like I hadn't turned around at all. I ran like a mile and a half out, two miles out. And then I turned around to run back. And in my face, coming up and over my apartments, which were kind of tucked up against this little tiny mountain range, super small, barely even a mountain. Coming up and over the mountains was just this massive storm cloud. I'm talking this thing just reached like I had to look straight up. And that last mile, I just ran soaking wet, getting pummeled by wind and rain. It was crazy. I just had no idea how fast storms came out of nowhere. They rarely showed up and that place is dry as hell. But when they did show up, they showed up. It was nuts. Anyways, let's talk about the 49ers. Should we? I think we should. I feel like I could just keep rambling on and on. I could talk about Dr. Disrespect's new uh, black steel bourbon named after the bulletproof mullet. Um, I could talk about um, Yellowstone's premiere, which was awesome. I'm a little tired of Jamie getting treated like this little punching bag, but maybe y'all feel like he deserves it still. But I feel like that character arc is finished and the dude should actually be, I don't know. Anyways, there's Yellowstone. I finished House of the Dragon. I thought that shit was great. Uh, what else have I done recently? I don't know. I think it's good for now. 49ers. Let's start off with the practice report. Let's start off, start off with injuries. Let's start off with the status of the team, which is relatively healthy. 
you know, compared to most days. Um, right now, we've got defensive lineman Eric Armstead, who's still out with a foot and ankle injury. Kyle Shanahan said there's a chance he could play, but he said we'd have to wait until Thursday, and Eric Armstead did not practice today. So doesn't seem like he's going to play. That's been a real pain in the 49ers' ass because Eric Armstead would drastically change this defense's performance. Nick Bosa was given a rest day, very normal. Samson Ibukam, Nick Bosa's partner on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the line, is still out with a quadricep and Achilles injury. Charvarius Ward was dealing with a personal matter, and Trent Williams was also given a rest day. We'll talk a little bit more about Trent Williams later, a little bit. Uh, the only person that was limited was Danny Gray with that ankle injury that he suffered pregame before uh, the Chargers game. So uh, I'm assuming he's going to be available for the game, but we'll see. On the other side, the practice report for the Cardinals is a little more interesting. You've got Buda Baker, who did not practice with an ankle injury. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't heard too much about him and his status, but I mean, that's he's like the heartbeat of that defense. Zach Ertz, I believe, is out for the season. Um, I want to say it was a torn ACL. I don't remember, um, but I know he's out for the season. So that's the end of Zach Ertz. That's a significant loss. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not practicing with a hamstring injury. And you've got a couple of, uh, you know, uh, you've got Byron Murphy, defensive back, who's has a back injury, and he's not practicing. That is a, that's a huge list. You've lost Zach Ertz for the season. Buda Baker's out with an ankle injury. DeAndre Hopkins is out with a hamstring injury. I just haven't heard too much as far as their status being in question, be it Hopkins or uh, Baker. But, I mean, just getting my Google Foo on right now, I'm trying to see if what the, you know, what the kind of the, just the general vibe is of that injury because, you know, I, that is a massive piece of that offense to just be chilling. Anyways, let's keep going. Limited, I mean, you're, we're still going here. You've got the, the highlights of the limited participants are quarterback Colt McCoy and quarterback Kyla Murray, both of which are dealing with an injury. Colt McCoy is a knee injury. Kyla Murray is a hamstring injury. What's interesting about Kyla Murray's hamstring injury is if you watch that one episode of Hard Knocks in season, I can't remember who they're playing, uh, but you, they talk about, Colt McCoy messing up his, or excuse me, uh, Kyler Murray messing up his hamstring in that episode. So um, the the Cardinals are taking it in the chin. No 49ers fans are going to feel sorry for you. I apologize because the 49ers go through that shit on the daily. But I, I mean, I have no idea who Nick Bosa is going to sack. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, you know, obviously Javon Kinlaw is still out for the 49ers and that pick just continues to gnaw on the 49ers. It's, and it's not necessarily like the 49ers made a, a bad choice in selecting Javon Kinlaw, but you're looking at three years of essentially very limited production. And, I mean, you could take one look at Javon Kinlaw and see how much of a freak he is, but he just hasn't been able to get on the field. And the knee injuries that a lot of the teams had flagged and taken him off their draft board are biting the 49ers in the ass. And you could tell Javon Kinlaw is frustrated about it. You really can. Obviously, we had that whole dust up with him and Grant Cohn, which, uh, you know, I understand. But at the same time, you it, to me, that just showed just how tightly wound Kinlaw was in re and, and how sensitive he was to his status with the team and his injuries. Um, I'm not condemning or condoning what he did. I'm just saying that that to me was uh, not a cry for help. That's a little dramatic. You could just tell how frustrated he was with how his career had gone up until that point and how much it meant to him 
and he just hasn't gotten on the field. And it's it's a tough position for the 49ers to be in because they needed him to be good. You know, they they traded uh, DeForest Buckner and then ended up selecting Javon Kinlaw with the pick they got from Buckner. So you would hope that there would just be some semblance of relief coming from that selection. And that just hasn't been the case at all. So, uh, I mean, that's just something to keep looking out for. But, I mean, it doesn't look good. We're in year three. A lot was made in the offseason about him having that knee procedure that's that apparently alleviated a bunch of pain and allowed him to move freely. And here we are again. So uh, that's a that's a tough situation. But, you know, the 49ers being without Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead, I mean, those are, that's like two-thirds of their base defense defensive front just two-thirds of the line two you know two-fifths of the entire group along the defensive front just out of commission and luckily they've had guys like uh charles and who step up um you know it's it's just tough man it's tough but in terms of what we've seen from the 49ers so far this season in terms of injuries they're doing okay uh the cardinals it's, you know, oh, wait, before we get to the Cardinals, we'll talk Cardinals. This is not going to be a super long pod. Y'all know what's happening. It's the Cardinals. There's not really anything I can tell you about them that y'all don't know, but we'll get there. Uh, the in- interesting kind of talking point throughout the week was how uh, a tweet from Jesse. I-, I would have to go find it real quick. Yeah, it is. At JNay underscore LSS. Talking about Trent Williams is still tipping plays. I just ran through the all 22 and accurately predicted nearly every play run our pass based on his left foot placement pre-snap. And I know that this has been mentioned in the past. I believe a a Chicago Bears defender mentioned it. I think a a Packers defender mentioned it. Um, But from the most part, Niners, uh, KP out of Niners Nation should be the co-host, but Niners Nation is greedy and unreasonable. Um, he wrote a quick article on it and kind of gathered up all the tweets from around the league on it. And, and the general consensus is, is it's not as big of a deal as the original poster was making it out to be. I could read some of these tweets for you because I thought it was good, uh, good information. George Foster, uh, 72. Um, sounds like he knows his stuff. I'm not sure I know him or recognize him. I'm sure he's a, he could be a former player. I could just be an idiot. But he says, let me hip you. You understand Trent's stances. You have to understand the offense he's playing in. He has to zone block from two-point stances and three-point stances to achieve a proper stretch block from a two-point stance. It helps to shorten his stagger to almost parallel. That way he won't lose ground by bucket stepping. If you bucket step versus a tighter line defender, you may get knocked back. That is a huge no-no in the zone scheme. You want to stretch the defender while knocking him off the ball. Or at a minimum, keeping him on the line of scrimmage. When he has a stagger, then yes, it's probably a pass play. This allows him to set properly. And sometimes the amount of stagger will vary too, depending on the defender's alignment. These are things that aren't big secrets, have been happening for ages because it's smart. The job of every single guy in that field is to win the rep. To win the rep versus some of the best athletes in the world, you have to make adjustments to give yourself the best chance of winning. Stances are a part of that. And at the end of the day, regarding, regardless if you know, you still got to beat him. So that was his take on it read word for word and I, I kind of like the way that's written it's basically saying like yeah i mean like every defender or offensive player may have a different stance at times mitchell schwartz 
uh, former Chiefs offensive lineman, Super Bowl winner. Most tackles have two stances. The better ones use them interchangeably, a.k.a. the run stance. Also gets used on play action and run action screens. Pass stance can be used on backside or duo power. Front side of shotgun runs. Doubt Trent is running play action from that pass stance. That's what uh, Mitchell Schwartz had to say. And then we had former Rams offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth says he's done this forever, hasn't seemed to help anyone. And then he replied to somebody saying, well, and then Doug says, are they using the information though? Theoretically, if the stamps, tips, runner, pass, how could it not be an advantage to know that? And Whitworth replied, well, first ask yourself how many offenders get to look at his feet from this angle, which from all 22 angle, it's taken from way above the end zone. So it's a view that no defender is going to have. So he says, first, ask yourself how many defenders get to look at his feet from this angle. Zero. All the motions and formations this offense has. Nobody has time to worry about Trent's feet. He doesn't do it. He doesn't just do it run or pass. Sometimes it's just different blocks. So, I mean, I'm not going to make too much of this. I mean, obviously, if you random Joe Schmo, no offense, Jesse, can plug in the all 22 and accurately predict the 49ers' plays, then so can defenses. So can a guy up in the box watching the play. Not that he has that angle either. So it's just an interesting topic, but I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Um, The 49ers are still managing to succeed without it. Would Trent Williams acknowledge this and say, hey, maybe this is something I could fix? I think so. I think that if he saw this and realized it was that obvious, then I think he would try to adjust things just a little bit. But at the same time, just given the reaction by the players in the know, this kind of seems like one of those instances where I wouldn't say Jesse is uninformed. I'm just, you're kind of wandering into, uh, you know, a wheelhouse that you don't quite understand. And, and from the opinion of the actual guys that do it, it doesn't sound like a big deal. But even then, I still think it's valuable information. I still think, like I said, that Trent Williams could see this and go, okay, I need to kind of think about this a little bit. It's definitely not information that should be discounted. I think a lot of people had like this attitude towards it, like, ah, it doesn't matter. Trent Williams wins anyways. If somebody can pick up on that and tell the whole defense what type of play is coming before beforehand with accuracy, that's a big deal. But at the same time, if all of the pros are aren't worried about it then i don't know that i am but so i still think i still give credit to uh jesse like i said at n j nay underscore lss for coming up with the information for for digging through it why not you know why not i think that's pretty a pretty sweet little project and i think he found a cool nugget of information and whether or not it's truly a deal breaker or it's truly um, giving the defenses a hard edge, then I don't know. Maybe it is. If they're talking about it, then they know about it. But interesting, you know. And maybe Trent Williams, being the insane veteran that he is, will start using that to an advantage. Maybe that dude will line up like he's pass setting on a run play. Maybe he'll line up, line up like you know what I mean. Y'all get what I mean. Y'all get what I mean. I don't think it's that big a deal. All right, on to the Cardinals. Like I said, there's not a whole lot about the Cardinals. I can tell you that you don't already know. The 49ers, you know, they we faced the 49ers. They faced the 49ers twice a year. We've seen it. I don't know who, like I said, I don't know who Nick Bosa is going to be sacking. I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play. I don't know if Colt McCoy is going to play. I don't know who the 49ers would rather 
play. The last time the 49ers faced Colt McCoy was at Levi Stadium when he went 22 of 26 for 249 yards and a tutty. And, and the, the Cardinals whipped the 49ers 31-17 to 17 at Levi Stadium. So I don't know if the 49ers would rather prefer Kyler Murray. I don't know. Kyler Murray certainly isn't playing bad. He's completing 66% of his passes for 21, 68 yards, um, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's also the team's leading rusher with 359 yards um, and two touchdowns, averaging 6.1 yards per carry. So I, I assume the 49ers would rather face Colt McCoy. Not that Colt McCoy is a bad quarterback, though. You know, and even in his, in his time this season, Colt McCoy is completing 70% of his passes for 240 yards in one game. Um, 240 yards and a touchdown and no interceptions. So I'm not necessarily sure if the 49ers have a preference one way or the other. I would assume maybe it would lean towards Colt McCoy, who is a more mobile quarterback, but is still not immobile. He's still an athlete. The 49 Most 49ers fans um, remember Colt McCoy because he hung around on the 49ers as their backup quarterback for a while, I believe, during the, the Kaepernick time frame. So well, but then you had Blaine Gabbert. One was Blaine Gabbert. Maybe Colt McCoy was before that with Alex. I don't know. I just I know he was here. Okay. So it's the Cardinals are just tough to gauge right now. I don't really know whether the 49ers, I, Of course, they're concerned about the char, the Cardinals. And you know what? At the very end of it, you've got to realize that it's a divisional game, and those are different. Those are always weird. Divisional games are always weird. So. You know, I mean, when you look at the Cardinals, they're four and six. None of their wins have really been particularly convincing. They beat the Raiders. We know now that that's not necessarily an achievement. They beat the Panthers by 10. Uh, we know now that that's not particularly an achievement. Uh, they barely beat the Saints. Again, it's kind of the same statement. Uh, and they beat the Rams, which again, uh, we know now is not particularly a, a resounding achievement. So the four, four, the four Cardinals wins have not necessarily been wins that would scare you or impress you. They too got the break speed off them by the uh, by the Chiefs, but you know again it's a division matchup. The Cardinals know they're in a position now where they kind of must win. They lost to the Seahawks. They won against the Rams, and now they're facing the 49ers. They're in their little NFC West gauntlet. They've also been swept by the Seahawks. And when the 49ers played the Seahawks, they couldn't even manage an offensive score. Their only touchdown was on a blocked field goal. So I don't really know what to make of the Cardinals right now. They're just, the team's in a weird place. They just got DeAndre Hopkins back, which will scare any reasonable person. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They got that quarterback carousel going on. What's their, what's their third string quarterback's name? Tra- Trace McSorley. Doesn't that sound like it's out of uh, Key and Peel? You know, uh, at least the last name, Trace McSorley. That's that's too much, man. He only threw uh, four passes and completed two of them. So <laughs> he came in um, to relieve Cold McCoy after that last game. So it's really tough to know what to expect from the Cardinals, how they're going to expect to beat the 49ers. The 49ers are probably a little frustrated that they can't game plan against one of these quarterbacks. Um, I'm assuming that maybe we'll hear something uh, Saturday, which is a couple days from now, as far as which quarterback's out, which quarterback's in, who's possible. If I know the Cardinals and if I know the NFL, they're going to say both Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy are possible right up until the very possible minute, maybe even inactives. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, To me, the simple answer right now when it comes to stopping the Cardinals offense is DeAndre Hopkins. The, the Cardinals just aren't that good at everything else. Right behind DeAndre Hopkins, you've got Rondale Moore. Now, they did just recently activate Marquise Brown. I believe I believe he's questionable for the game. Um, he was just, I believe he was just activated off IR this week, if I'm not mistaken. So, he is, is you know, their second most prolific, prolific receiver right behind DeAndre Hopkins. Him and Rondale Moore are kind of having similar successes. Obviously, Marquise Brown's been out, but in his place, Rondale Moore has kind of picked it up. Um, he's got 41 receptions for 414 yards and a touchdown. Whereas DeAndre Hopkins, this should tell you right here how nuts this guy is. In four games that he's been back, he already has 36 catches for basically 400 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 11 yards per catch. I mean, if you extrapolate that just over, let's say if, if it were still a 16-game season, that's a 1,600-yard, you know, nine-touchdown season. You know, you got to end that extra game there. So it would basically be like DeAndre Hopkins is, is, is on pace to have a 1,700-yard, 10-touchdown season right now. That's how prolific he is. And to me, if you want to stifle that Cardinals offense it's gonna run through Hopkins in the last when I think of Hopkins you know shout out to uh to Jason Barrett and his his continued recovery because whenever I think of DeAndre Hopkins in the 49ers I think of the time that uh Jason Barrett went one-on-one with him and and actually won that matchup it was pretty damn impressive but no matter what quarterback it is to me the answer has to be DeAndre Hopkins because when you look at the Cardinals statistically they're just okay at everything. So you got to, you know, isolate their talent. You know, when you're talking about the offense, the Cardinals are average in total pass yards. They're average. When I say average, I mean like middle of the road, middle of the league. Average in total pass yards, average in touchdowns, 
average in passer rating. They're dead last in yards per attempt, so they're not doing a great job pushing the ball down the field. And they're dead last in big plays, like the 40-plus yard plays. And I think they were not even great in 20-plus yard plays. So when we're talking about when you're adding in the run, your average total yards, average yards per carry, average number of touchdowns on the offensive side of the ball, they're just not doing anything great right now. They just lost their third most productive player in Zach Ertz, you know, and, and a veteran player. He scored more touchdowns through the air than any other player on that roster um, at, currently at four. So it, it's just like, to me, the only thing left to worry about is DeAndre Hopkins. You know, they they just don't do anything that great. So find the good players. And if Marquise Brown is active for that game, then that becomes a little more difficult because you've got to cover both. Um, and then you've got Rondale Moore, who's kind of afforded a little bit more freedom when DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown are drawing most of the attention. And Mark, Rondale Moore is a talented player, no doubt. So it's just tough to even know what to expect, so you kind of fall back on who's the talent. Then when you're looking at the defensive side of the ball, they're they're not great either. They're among the highest in allowed completion percentage. They're nearly the highest in total yards and touchdowns. They're top 10 in first down percentage. They're bottom 10 in the number of sacks. They're allowing 4.4 yards a carry. They're bottom 10 in the number of touchdowns they've allowed, the number of first downs they've allowed. They're second to last in first down percentages on the ground. It's like they have a lot of unfavorable stats that kind of point toward why they're a 4-16. and and maybe that, like I'm saying, is a little more gracious than it looks like because the 49ers are only five and four. You know, there's not a whole lot of separation between four and six and five and four. But the Cardinals, on the other hand, have just, you know, 49ers have got a couple impressive wins in there. The Cardinals, their wins, not impressive, close against bad teams. And then everything else is just kind of falling away from them. So. This is a must win for the 49ers. It's another divisional matchup, especially when you consider, I believe the 49ers are 3-0 on the NFC, when it comes to the NFC West right now. That is going to be their bread and butter. I do believe they're going to close the gap uh, against the Seahawks. But to me, that's, that's where it lies, is the fact that they've done so well against the NFC West that that has to be where they continue to have their confidence and where they continue to have their hot streak. Um, now the, the interesting part about this game too, is that technically per the schedule, it is a home game for the Cardinals, but poor per ESPN's Nick Wagner, the 49ers have drastically outweighed the Cardinals in ticket sales. It's supposed to be over 80% in favor of the 49ers. That's a big deal. That's, that's a lot. So the Cardinals who have a home, this is supposed to be a home game on their stretch are now entering into an unfamiliar territory that's going to be completely filled with 49ers fans. And to me, that only increases the advantage the 49ers are going to have in this game. So just to wrap things up, the NFC, NFC West standings through 10 weeks, the Seahawks are 6-4, and four, 49ers right behind them at 5-4, and four, but the 49ers NFC West record, and if he wept, it's three and zero. Oh. The Seahawks are two and one. Cardinals one and three. Rams one and three. Cardinals are four and six. Rams are three and six overall. So 49ers are in a good spot, but this win would put them in a better spot. 
I want to say it would put them uh, – Would I mean, when is the Seahawks bye? I don't know all the other games from this week. I don't know when the Seahawks bye week is or if they've already had it. Oh, this is their bye week. So if the 49ers beat the Cardinals this week, they will be in first place in the NFC. They'll both have six and four records. Uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers, but the 49ers divisional record will be 4-0 to the Seahawks 2-1, and and that will give them the edge. And they have the edge in just straight-up tiebreaker because the teams have already faced the 49ers with that S. So 49ers are in a good spot right now. You've heard from guys like George Kittle who think they're they're kind of primed to make a run. And this is that typical run where the 49ers need to win games, so they start to win games. I guess if you're a team that has to back yourself into a corner, then do it, you know, and that's where the 49ers are now. They've got the Cardinals um, on Monday night in Mexico. Then they've got a home game against the Saints, a big home game against the Dolphins, a big home game against the Buccaneers. That's a very important stretch for the 49ers right there. Let's just say that they win three of those four games. They could win all four, whatever. Y'all know what I'm saying. That would put them at... Let's say they win three out of four. That would put them at eight and five. They'd be in first place in the NFC West. And right now, I believe they're at the they're they're holding on to the last wild card spot in the playoff hunt. Let me see if I can find this chart. Yep. NFC West, NFC standings. You've got the Eagles, Vikings, Seahawks, Buccaneers, Giants. Cowboys and 49ers. So the 49ers in that last spot. I believe if they beat the Cardinals, they jump all the way up into Seattle's spot, which is third, just given you have the division leaders. So pretty good spot right now. They just have to execute. There's not a whole lot of mystery to about it all, and they've got some challenging matchups coming up. I mean, you've got Cardinals, Saints at home, Dolphins at home, Bucks at home. Man, if you can come out of that three and four, you know, you're feeling good. If you come out of that four and four, man, you are feeling like there's nothing that can stop you. And the Bucks have been all over the place. The Dolphins have been great. It's been cool watching Mike McDaniel do his thing. So just an interesting time to be a 49ers fan. And like I said, you get to enjoy a whole weekend's worth of football, and then you still get that 49ers matchup on Monday night. I got anything else in my notes here that I feel like we must talk about? I don't think so. I don't think so. 49ers. Um, I don't know how much – I'm not a betting guy. I never pay attention to spreads. I never pay attention to how much teams are favored. I'm assuming the 49ers are favored by a decent amount, given it's a neutral site and given that way more 49ers fans are supposed to be in attendance. But, again, I don't, I don't, I don't pay attention to that stuff. You guys might. You guys are probably smarter than me. So, anyways, anyways, I appreciate y'all. I mean, uh, just a, 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 a brief, quick, tight – Wrap up of the storylines throughout the week, and then we talk Cardinals for a little bit. Big game for the 49ers. Jump out in front of that NFC West. Control your destiny, as they would like to say. All right, guys. Whoops. Sorry, I knocked over my flashlight. I appreciate you guys listening to Striking Gold. You're the real MVPs. You're the only reason this podcast exists is because you listen to it. So I appreciate you. Hopefully, y'all are finding it moderately entertaining. Hopefully, it's it's doing what it needs to do. It's serving its purpose. If uh, if you have any recommendations, any any wants, needs, desires, um, hit me up on Twitter. Y'all know I'm on there. I reply. I can't remember what his name is. I'd have to go to my uh, my Twitter real quick. 
Um, but somebody was somebody quoted me when I was ma- when I was talking about the Dre Greenlaw hit, and I was like, "Bam, bam!" And I way too loud. And he was saying how he was listening in his car, and it sent him off the road. And that would have been my fault. Probably would have sued me. That's JF Too Fresh. Hit me up on Twitter saying, bam, bam, bam. That, that I should I should add that. Like at the end of the podcast when I say, this is striking gold and we are signing out. Bam, bam, bam. I should just add that so that people can be swerving on the daily. All right, y'all. I appreciate it. Uh, if, you, if you love the podcast, jump on your whatever app you're listening to. Listening to, listening to it on. I guess is the correct way to say that. Leave us a positive review. Show, tell your friends about it. All those good things. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. But for another episode, you know what we got to do. You will hear from me on Monday night, probably Tuesday morning after the Cardinals game. Appreciate y'all. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.